Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 255. I am your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we are welcoming back to the show the famed writer and artist, Caleb Palmquist. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. So this is exciting. So you're here to talk about your latest Kickstarter, The Knight and the Lion, a sword's of Arthur's story. I know that we've been talking about this for the last two years. This has been something that's been in the hopper that you've been talking about wanting to get done for a while now. And now finally, and I believe too, that you're like, well, I'm not talking about this much. Like it was something that you've been um, keeping close to the vest for quite a while. Yeah. So um, the story of this book actually goes back quite a ways because um, the inspiration for this book came from, uh, reading King Arthur's stories when I was in college. I took a medieval literature class and there was a story about uh, this knight who becomes friends with a lion and they go on adventures together and I really liked it. And uh, for a long time, I really wanted to tell comic book stories about King Arthur's knights. But um, for one reason or another, we kept uh, having delays or, you know, uh, I was pursuing different projects and finally uh, decided to pull the trigger and uh, and to get into it. So, yeah, I mean, um, I have been thinking about this, working on this for a long time. Um, and uh, it's finally here. So That's so awesome. I'm super excited about it. Yeah. And, and so this is a standalone. This isn't a series. This is a standalone 82 pager, correct? So yes and no. So when I say standalone, what I mean is um, in it's a standalone in the sense that like the first Iron Man movie was a standalone movie. Gotcha. Um, Meaning that it, that movie exists by itself, right? You don't have to see anything else. And so the intention behind this series, if it goes well, which it's looking like it will, is that each, uh, story will be about another night um, sort of in the same way that after Iron Man came the Incredible Hulk and that wasn't really a sequel to Iron Man it was just another story um, about another character and so um, I have a plan for actually eight different stories now that's ambitious and I don't know if we'll get to that many but the the, the beautiful thing about it is that they're all self-contained stories and they're about different nights that means if i do one or two or eight it doesn't matter because they're all going to be their own individual stories um i just love the stories of king arthur's knights and and there's like a really long proud tradition um i think among writers of um retelling the sort of canon of king arthur and his knights and, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, conceited of me. Maybe I've got a big head, but I wanted to join that tradition and, uh, and tell my own version. Right. 
So essentially, like you bring that up too, because we also talked about when you had Unicorn Vampire Hunter that we talked about everybody, you know, like you kind of took your own take on, you know, like the the vampire mythos of like, where's the the origin story of vampires? So what is your tweak on Arthurian legend for this that is very distinct, very, you know, kind of like distinct to what Caleb would do? So... There's a couple of things. I mean, one, I think that, um, as with all my stories, is a very character-driven story. So um, there are characters making hard choices, and there's emotional moments in the book. But the thing that I was most interested in about King Arthur stories that I feel like is actually missing from a a lot of modern adaptations is a discussion of chivalry. And it's... (laughs) This is not how I pitched the book because it's a bit nerdy and it's a bit in the weeds, but um, I'm very into the idea of chivalry and what it meant to the people of the, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th centuries. Like mm. wh- what, what, because like now we think of chivalry as like holding the door open for a lady in the time that these stories were being written originally. That's not what chivalry meant to me what the, what makes this story unique is that i really examine um the idea of that classic chivalry and how and what the limits of that system of ethics is it's funny because i think the thing that makes my version of this story unique is that i am actually hearkening back to the original material and the the like sort of themes in the original material but also I'm sort of putting a magnifying glass to those themes and saying like, well, these were the values, but like, did they make sense? The other thing that I think makes it fun is just that it's like a, it's like a fun story about big larger than life characters uh, going on fantasy adventures together. I mean, it's a, it's about a knight who has best friends with a lion and his other best friend is like the most famous knight in all of King Arthur's court. There's big, Big personalities and big adventures, big fights, and a lot of humor. Because I do know that, like, yeah, for, for those that want to check it out, though, you do have in the, in the Kickstarter, there is a little bit of a, a few pages of kind of telling a little bit of the story. Gawain is a character that uh, you might recognize if you saw the movie The Green Knight starring Dev Patel. My version is nothing like the version in that movie at all. Uh Gawain is um, also known as the knight who was the sun. He is, uh, I always compare him to Qui-Gon Jinn because uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is like the paragon Jedi, right? Like he holds to the Jedi values no matter what. Mm. Um, And that's what Gawain is, except with the values of chivalry and knighthood. Um, He's boisterous, he's loud. Um, but he believes that a knight has to continue proving himself um, and that the worst possible thing that you could do is get married and grow fat in bed with your wife and not go out slaying more dragons. So you, you kind of insinuate in this, as you've mentioned before, it's a standalone thing, but you also kind of put in some story seeds of potentially because Gwen says, I'm going off on an, an adventure right now. So is that something that you've done with your writing just to kind of allow that branch to take off? Yeah. What I will say is, um, and this is, you're always getting all the, all the, uh, (laughs) the hot details here on this podcast, but 
where if if people are um kind enough to continue following me on this adventure that we can tell the story long enough the story is leading toward gawain's own book um mm. which would be my own adaptation of the very famous poem the green knight and obviously like i said my version would be very different than the movie that came out in fact i had a lot of issues with that movie i i could talk for many hours about my various issues with that movie uh gawain is my favorite character um it should go without saying and he in all of the outlines that i've written for the various different stories i want to tell he appears in every single one of them so he's sort of okay. like the nick fury uh to go back to the marvel analogy of of my little story world as of this recording you're already almost 154 backers mm -hmm. already do you want to tell people a little bit about what they can get from the Kickstarter? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty uh, basic, but we have some really cool things. So you mm. can get the digital or the physical edition um, uh, of the comic with the standard cover by Kay Woolheiser, which I think is like a really awesome cover. I love how this cover turned out. You can also get the variant cover, which is by drawn by Jonathan Fisher, who is my co-creator on the series and he's also the artist of the prologue story um which is the prologue story tells the tale of how um yvain who is the name of the main character um which is a little confusing because it's so similar to gawain uh yvain um meets the, how how yvain first meets the lion so then the other book that we have available is a process book and um, I was inspired oh, cool. to do this because um, I actually did a an art book for um, Vampire Detective in Space, which is a, a campaign that I did earlier this year. And um, so I'm kind of taking it to the next level. This is a 80 page process book. So it's got thumbnails, concept art, pencils. Uh, a It's got script pages. It's got behind the scenes info. So it's basically like I'm I'm pulling this book apart so you can see how it was made in this oh, like wow. full 80 page book, which I think is going to be um, really cool. I think people are really going to like it. Um, and then we also have a sticker that we did, and Jonathan Fisher, who's my co-creator, designed this sticker, and he actually has designed almost every sticker that I've offered on every <laughs> Kickstarter campaign that I've done. Um, and uh, I just love the stickers that he does. This one says just lying around. I think uh, I think it's very funny. And uh, hopefully people will be into that. And then for the first time ever, I'm offering an enamel pin. So mm. people have been asking me to do an enamel pin forever. And I was intimidated by it. I'm scared of new and different things. Something I decided to, to make the leap on because Jonathan actually has done pins before um, for his own projects. And so um he kind of guided me through the process of how we were going to do it and i think it turned out really cool gold inlaid enamel pin so it's gonna it's gonna look really cool it's like it's a little lion crest and at the bottom you see these like severed tails which um is uh, yeah. sort of an element of the story um uh that you will uh find out about when you read it or if you're um one of the lucky people who's seen the prologue already. If you're on my mailing list, they got an extra preview of the story. Um, then you'll know what that's about. And then we're also offering a bookmark, which is a, a really cool little bit of art from, from the book. 
so yeah, I mean that's it. That's all we got. Um, and we got levels where you can get all that kind of different stuff. Do you, are you looking at trying to do something along the lines of having, a, you know, a standalone book for maybe like all twenty four of the Knights of the Round Table? Or no, um, I have my favorites, and um, and I also know that every project ultimately uh, can only go for so long. I mean, if you think about how long it takes to create a graphic novel. Um, especially right. kind of in the world of indie comics. Uh, I like the idea of long running series. And I think that if I completed eight graphic novels, that would feel like a quite long running series to me. So I have a very specific vision in mind. And I, I have read a lot of, of Arthurian romances um, and I have my favorite characters. Now, a lot of characters will be featured. A lot of those 24 nights you were talking about will be featured in various roles in some of these books. Some, my favorites are honestly a lot of them are are, are sort of lesser known knights like right um yvain i don't think is one that people immediately think of when they think of um the round table but he is right. he is one of my favorites you like sir k and sir dagonet and <laughs> sir k is this is so funny actually sir k is is a jerk almost always a jerk <laughs> And it's hilarious because the artist on the book, her name is Kay Woolheiser. And um, she <laughs> she said uh, she was so excited to to start to, to like have the sort of code name of Sir Kay because, you know, she's working on a King Arthur book. And then she said the moment she did any research at all, she realized Sir Kay is actually a big jerk. And I've, <laughs> I've actually been writing the next book um and sir k is a character that's featured and he's like a bully in the book uh, so. why if this has been such a such cl so close to your heart of wanting to actually do this and we mentioned before that we've been talking about this for years why did it take you so long to actually get this book out now that's a really good question and it has a long uh answer there's there's a lot of different elements to that the first element is when I first started talking about trying to make comic books, I told some people about this idea and the response that I got from people. Now, maybe I should have been asking people who were bigger comic book fans or whatever. But the, the response that I got initially was that seems like really niche. And I don't know if people will be into it. Clearly, that has turned out already to not be true. Um, but um, so I kind of like put it on the shelf and I was like, in my mind at that time, I was like, okay, I really want to tell these stories, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait until I'm like a well-known author and then I'll do it. And it'll be like a sort of like passion project. I mean, you know, like if Stephen King does a book mm. about some niche weird topic that nobody would think to read a book about, people are still going to read it. Right. Right. Because he's Stephen King. Now I'm not Stephen King and I'll never be, but, um, but I, in my mind, I was like, this has to wait until I have like some capital. Um, then time went on and I actually came up with the idea of unicorn vampire hunter. After that, I was also told I, that that wouldn't be marketable, that that was too weird and too goofy. So the thing that I ended up doing was a small favor, which is, uh, you know, we've, you and I have talked about this difficult to understand, wasn't easy to market, didn't do super well. Now I got my training legs on it. Um, but then I launched Unicorn Vampire Hunter and it did really well. So I started to learn to trust myself, to trust my instincts. 
Right. And uh, and so that's when I came back to this book. And then the other reason that it was delayed is just because various um, problems with trying to figure out how to execute it, uh, trying to find the right artist. I mean, one thing that I've become better at as time has gone on is is finding artists and working with artists. And um, I honestly think if I had done this book out the gate, I would not have found the level of talent that I found. And I don't think the book would be, I don't think I would have been as good of a writer as I am now. And so while I didn't do it at first because I didn't trust my instincts, in some ways I'm glad that I waited um, because I think the book will be better for it. Comics are obviously made by the artist. And uh, and I found a really, really talented artist with Kay on this book. And she's very passionate about the subject matter and um and so the book is turning out really beautiful so yeah i mean the short answer is i didn't trust myself i didn't trust my instincts which is why i didn't go out go with this book earlier but i'm also glad that that happened because i learned a lot and i think i'm able to attract better talent now i mean the other thing is even if i knew to look for better talent six years ago hmm. i wouldn't have necessarily been able to get someone of Kay's caliber to sign on for an 80 page book. And so how did you, so how are you able to find Kay? Was that through some of your anthology work with like modern mythology or? No, actually I have, I have found a lot of artists that I've worked with through doing anthologies and other things like that. Mm. But actually um, what I did was uh, my co-creator Jonathan and I, we just started looking on Kickstarter and we were like paying attention to all the comic books that were on Kickstarter of the people that we found that we thought were really cool. We just started sending messages. We were doing the same thing on Instagram with artists, but we knew that people on Kickstarter would probably be more open to the idea mm. of working with a writer who primarily works through Kickstarter. Mm. Um, and uh, and so we sent messages to a few different people, and uh, and Kay got back to us, and she was really excited. But I honestly didn't think that she would. Um, she was sort of a pie in the sky. Like, uh, you know, might as well send her a message just in case. Uh, and then she got back to us um, and she wanted to do it, which was really awesome. So I, I would say, um, you know, to writers out there, if you're sort of intimidated by um, by an artist and you think that they wouldn't want to work with you, there's no harm in asking. I've been rejected dozens of times by artists that I've asked to work with. Um, but, uh, you know, rejection is is part of life. And I think right. that it never hurts to ask. And so how, how do you split up your, cause you said that, you know, Jonathan Fisher, he was a, your co-creator for this. Talk to us a bit about that for those that might be, you know, a, you know, comic creator who's thinking, I like that idea of having, you know, having somebody else next to me as I'm working on an, on an idea. How did you split up those responsibilities with a co-creator and writer like that? I'm the writer of the book. At one point, we had had conversations about him drawing um, the entire book, but he, um, a few years ago, made a career shift into another career and um, didn't have time, but he still wanted to be involved in the book. So basically, what Jonathan does is he, um, I bounce ideas off of him, and then he reads my scripts and gives me feedback. And then he serves as the art director on the project. So because okay. he is an artist himself, he has a vocabulary that I just don't. Even though I've been working with artists for a while, I don't have that same vocabulary of I can look at a piece of art, a comfort page, and and, and like be like, 
you know, I like it or I don't like it, or it feels like it's working or it's not, but I can't necessarily articulate exactly why something is working or isn't. And Jonathan can, he's got that expertise in the training. And so he has actually been able to work with Kay to really make the pages sing in a way that I would not have been able to facilitate without his help. And so that's been really huge for your fans and your readers that have read that have read your previous works. What are some of the, what are some of the things that they can expect from this book? Um, I think that if you like the uh, dynamics between characters from unicorn vampire hunter and the, the humor from Unicorn Vampire Hunter, you can definitely expect to see that here. I think that just sort of the optimistic um, storytelling, the joy behind that, I think is very much present here. I think this has a lot in common with Unicorn Vampire Hunter. Unicorn Vampire Hunter is a fairy tale um, that is that I wrote that story because I wanted to write a fairy tale. Um, and this is not a fairy tale, but it is a it is like has a lot of similarities with fairy tales. Right. Um, you know, it's a fantasy story, it's an adventure story, but it is also a story about um, a person finding themselves, figuring out who they are, and how who they are is different from the way that the role that they're filling defines them. So yeah, I mean, if if you like that sort of bright adventure and 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 familiarity and humor that from unicorn vampire hunter you can definitely find that here and is is there a little little bit of easter eggs for those that might know vampire detective in space and unicorn vampire hunter is there anything in the background that people might be wanting to look out for uh no i wouldn't say so um i think you can recognize my style but this is definitely a very distinct world whereas okay unicorn vampire hunter and vampire detective in space uh sort of tongue-in-cheek exist in the same world but like Mm -hmm. not like not in a way that uh that is direct but um but you know they they have very similar themes and very similar uh like it makes sense for those to have a crossover but no there will never be a crossover between this series and those series this is its own thing a retelling of arthurian stories and i think that it's while it's silly and goofy and there's a lot of fun in it it also i think is a little more i don't even want to say mature not and serious isn't the right word either because there's a lot of there's a lot of silliness in it but it's uh it may be academic i'm not sure Mm. um I still think this is like a story that is very appropriate for young adults and adults, um, as with most of the things that I've written. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, I think I view this as a more serious project. So because this you're you're taking a hold of an existing world, basically, mm-hmm. uh, were you harder on yourself as a writer for this as compared to your your own personal IPs? Was I harder on myself? I mean, maybe. Um, I think I have really high expectations for myself. I think that probably with different series, there's a different level, different levels of like um, necessarily how hard I am on myself, I guess. Um, I guess I want, to me, there's a certain pressure to uh, examine the ideas in these stories in a way that's 
palatable to modern audiences too because i'm not trying to write a story that's like a boring academic research paper right because i wrote those in college about these same stories this is sort of like a while it's like a surface level examination of those ideas it is an examination of those ideas and i and i want to kind of like be true to the kind of spirit of those stories without you know boring you to death while also appealing to a modern audience you know what were some of the things that as you're as you're writing this how many drafts did it take before you were ready to have k start drawing oh a lot of drafts i wrote um the first draft of this i probably wrote in 2018 or 2019 then i revisited it uh several times since then um and it it went through many different iterations of like was this going to be an ongoing series where there was going to be like you know four or five issues or was it going to be a graphic novel all at once or um and at one point it was going to be a black and white comic and then it was going to be a color comic and there and there was a lot of different um sort of versions and iterations of that and um i mean probably at least a dozen versions of the script that it went through if this succeeds do you have already um in the background some stretch goals that you might announce as well so let's see what i wrote i at i said at twenty thousand dollars i will give all the backers a set of guest art prints um that are those are currently being illustrated um with the expectation that i will hit that um i said at twenty six thousand dollars um i would give all the backers a set of trading cards i've done trading cards for a lot of my other campaigns and i didn't do them exactly yeah yeah so i I didn't do them for this campaign but i figured you know if we hit this stretch goal that would be fun to do um Mm. and then um and then i do yep it's near the bottom i i I don't like to put a lot of emphasis on the stretch goals at least not before we've hit the regular goal right Um, yeah and so i might if we get to that point where we're hitting those stretch goals i'll make a graphic so it'll you know look fancier but um and then uh, I have some more ideas that I don't want to necessarily mm. say yet because um, if we don't make it, I don't want to disappoint people. Um, right. But um, certainly um, uh, I have some exciting ideas for a $30,000 stretch goal. But the thing is, that would be a record for me. I, I've never, I got close um, on a Unicorn Vampire Hunter campaign. I raised $27,000, but that was the most I've ever raised. So um, if I were to hit 30,000, I would definitely make this stretch goal pretty exciting because that would be a, a personal record for me. And do you see this also as kind of catering to a, a new audience that might be discovering your work as well? I mean, I certainly hope so. I'm Whenever I launch a new project, I'm always hoping that I'm, that I'm reaching a new audience. Um, right. It would be, while, you know, of course I, of course I love, all the the people who keep coming back um but uh but if it's just the same people that keep coming back and i never find anyone new then uh there's no growth there and so i certainly hope that um over time i'm i'm finding a a larger audience and i think launching a new story a new type of project is like um probably a pretty good way to do that um you know hopefully people who liked my previous projects will like this but i'm also yeah hoping that some brand new people will find the project too and be excited about it. 
I, I'm excited. I'm excited to check this out only really because this has been, you know, watching this as a work in progress since you've been talking about it since 2020. So, cause you, you did, as you said, you did like the you did like the idea of, of, um, Yvain, you did mention how you liked the fact that he had a lion with him. Did you always think about this being the first story in this? Yeah. Yes. Um, I thought that this needed to be the first story, not only because it's one of my favorites, but also because I think that in the same way, before we started uh, recording today, we were talking about how how I've always said that I like to write titles that tell you exactly what the story is about. I'm sure that a lot of the success of Unicorn Vampire Hunter has to do with the title and how evocative it is and how like sort of out, out there it is. I think that while every story I want to tell about King Arthur's Knights is cool and exciting. I think the knight and the lion is the most evocative of the titles and it's the most sort of outlandish concept. And, and it's also just like a really fun adventure story. My hope is that this one sort of draws people in and then, uh, and then the future stories um, they'll come back for because they've read the first one and, and they liked it. So Caleb, if people want to, learn more about this book and learn more about your products where's the best place they could go to well right now the best place to go to is kickstarter but um if you want to find out more about what i'm doing you can always go to calebpalmquist.com follow you can follow me on twitter and instagram although i don't make any promises that i'll post very often <laughs> something something that i think you and i probably haven't talked about um and you can find this information on my website but i I actually started a podcast that I've been doing for about two months now called uh, Crowd Blunders, which is a, a podcast about um, my, I, I run it with my friend Alan Dunford, who um, writes the comic books, Pocus Hocus, Grandma Chainsaw. And he and I just talk about all the mistakes we've made in, in crowdfunding and then sort of what oh, wow. we learned from them. And sometimes we have guests on. Um, and it's, it's very much like a nuts and bolts, like process podcast. And, uh, but yeah, you can find all that at calebpalmquist.com. Yeah. You can, if you want to read some of my comics, you can get them there on the website, including, um, you can get the first issue of unicorn vampire hunter totally for free. Um, that's always uh, available as an option. Um, if you sign up for my newsletter and, um, that's amazing. So this is good for anybody out there. Let's tell you, yeah, definitely check out Crowd Blunders. Yep, that's excellent. Okay, and you've already have seven episodes out so far. That's awesome. Yeah, we've been releasing an episode every Sunday, and they're very short. They're um, they're only about thirty minutes long each. Um, okay. We wanted to like a short form, like quick little podcast you could listen right. to while you walk the dog or whatever. Right. Perfect. Later this year, one of my last Kickstarters of the year is going to be uh, my crossover that I was talking about. I'm doing a crossover graphic novel between Unicorn Vampire Hunter and Vampire Detective in Space where the two of them actually meet. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. And so I'm so happy you're, right, you're finally be able to take this your dream project and bring it to life. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. I it feels good to know that like this weird niche, like nerdy thing. I know King Arthur is not that niche, but it's like it's like when I was in college, I was so obsessed. I was I would spend like hours and hours in the library researching these papers where I was like, you know, reading all these old scholarly articles, you know, about about these different poems and 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 I was so into it. And I was like, I want to you know make a comic book version of this and 
And, uh, and I had a lot of doubts about, you know, whether or not that would be something that would sell or if it would just be, you know, me sort of fulfilling uh, my own little fantasy. But it's very gratifying to know that, you know, people are excited about it and, uh, and I'm not the only one and, and, and people are responding really positively to it. So it feels good. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Caleb. Yep. Thank you for having me on. And so what are some of, so what, what are some of the things that you hope, like, you know, your, your readers can, what, let me, uh, yeah, time stamping again, see Caleb, this was pretty good. 26 minutes in before I had to do a timestamp. <laughs> um, it's not bad. All right. Um,